uh, uh, if you don't stand for something, what happens? You fall for anything. If you think somebody else is just going to handle it, you, you just, that's not good enough. It's not sufficient to say, oh, I don't like all that politics stuff. I just cast a vote. I've been raised Catholic. That's what I get a lot of times is, well, I'm Catholic. So guess what? What's that mean? When I'm talking about Jesus and salvation and eternity. So I should leave you alone because you're Baptist or Presbyterian or whatever you are. Should I just leave that alone? Well, what do you really, what does that mean? What does your faith mean? How do you operate in this life? So in this case, because we're under a governance and we're supposed to pray for our president, no matter what party, see, when he gives in Philippians and says, I want, I want you to, to pray for all these people in Timothy, when he says, I want you lifting up holy hands when, see, when the Bible talks, but without wrath and without dissension. It means without respect to political party or persuasion. See? Why? You can do that because your, your, your life is founded not on men and not on the principles and precepts and not based on the rules and not based on if they're pro this or, or pro that or if they're, if they're for guns or not. Or, it's not about all those issues. It's about it really comes down to a faith principle for us. Yes, Guess what I said the other day after watching both Fox and CNN and regular broadcast TV. Do you know what? Why I changed the channel is because I like to keep a a good perspective. I can tell you there's garbage on all of it. I want to tell you that they all have their own little slant. And boy, as a believer, you're in the middle and saying, okay, this commercial was followed by that commercial. Which one is true? They both said the same thing, but they're claiming that they're the ones who are, are right. Well, what is right? Neither one. Somehow it's not about that. So here's what I said to, to Joel the other day. I said, you know what has happened in America? Is that it's, they've brought us from our focus being on God and on biblical morality, and they've taken it to where our focus is on issues. Do you understand that? We've become an issue-based. And do you know what's happened as a result of issue-based? This is something Joel did. Bless his heart for me last night. This shows every election from Franklin back in 1932 all the way up through Barack Obama in 2008. Do you know what it shows? It shows the number of electoral votes. It shows the popular votes. It shows what party they belong to. It shows the total difference in, in votes that were cast, the, the popular vote. And then shows the percentage. Listen to these numbers since 1932. for Franklin uh, Roosevelt. How many know who he is running against? Herbert Hoover. I was there. In 1936, 62% of the vote went to Franklin. In 1940, 54% of the vote went to Franklin Roosevelt. In 1944, 53, almost 54% went to Franklin Roosevelt. By the way, after that, they changed that to where you only have two terms, eight years. I don't know why. He did some good stuff, some things that worked for however long. Some of them still are. We pray that some of them will continue to. (laughs) Harry Truman, 49.71%. Dwight Eisenhower, 55%. 1956, some of you might have voted then, 57% for Eisenhower. John F. Kennedy, he got 50% of the vote, 50.09 over Richard Nixon. Lyndon Johnson, 61% over Barry Goldwater. Remember him? Richard Nixon, 
44% of the vote. Richard Nixon, again, 60.91%. Jimmy Carter, 50.57%. Ronald Reagan, 50.99%. Ronald Reagan, 59.17%. George H. Bush, 53.9%. Bill Clinton, 43.28%. This guy named Ross Perot took 19% of the vote that year. William Clinton, 50% of the vote. Ross Perot that year only got 8%. George Bush, 48.36%. Al Gore, 48.88%. How'd that happen? Because George Bush won the states with bigger electoral votes in it. And the electoral college, electoral college is what actually elects the president. So what happened is Ohio has 18 electoral votes. Colorado only has nine. So in Ohio... He won the majority of Ohio, so he got the electoral votes, and yet Gore won Colorado, but he only got half the votes for Electoral College. That's how you can win the popular vote and lose the Electoral College. Now, I'm not all that smart. I just saw that somewhere. The last one, George W. Bush, 51.24%. John Kerry was 48.76. And then in 2008, Barack Obama, 53.41%. Folks, what I'm hoping to tell you is, do you see how close to the 50% we are? We have this thing in our history called the Civil War. I know you weren't here for it, but some of you, you have, you've understood history. Folks, I want to tell you that this country is headed back toward those kinds of places because of politics especially, and because people have abandoned certain intrinsic values that we ought to ascribe to and live by, and we're beginning to come alongside party lines. The danger is, is we're not supposed to follow men. We're supposed to follow God. And if we would follow God, we wouldn't have this kind of 50-50 going on in our country. But yet, this is part of the dynamics of living in a free society, that we all have the freedom of choice, that we get to do that. And so here's the thing. When people don't live according to a standard, see, that is above everything else, see, which is what the Bible should be. You know, I've always, for 12 and a half years, I've been espousing to you the value of the Bible over any other written work. You see, it's the only authoritative rule for us as Christians. It's what we state as a church. I want to give you this word. It's called mediocre. How many of you know what mediocre means? What's mediocre mean? Average. What else? So-so. How many of you really want to be mediocre? Anybody want to really be mediocre? See, God's put eternity in our hearts, which is greatness. You hear? So there's the definition. Of only ordinary or moderate quality, neither good nor bad, barely adequate. And then the next one says, not satisfactory, poor, inferior. For example, my car gets mediocre gas mileage, like 12, 13 miles to the gallon. Poor. Some of you get 45 miles to the gallon. Guess what? You're on the high side of that, right? Well, listen to this. Some, some other synonyms. Undistinguished. Commonplace. Pedestrian. Everyday. Run of the mill. How many of you like to be considered just run of the mill? Anybody? The antonyms for that? Extraordinary. Superior. Uncommon incomparable. 
Now, doesn't that sound a little more like God? Synonyms for not satisfactory. How about meager, low quality, second rate versus excellent? Now, what am I saying all this for is because here's what's happened. I run into it. There's a Bible passage that that really tells us this. We just don't think of it in these terms when we talk about politics sometimes. You remember Jesus was in a culture where it was the Roman government and the Pharisees. You had the religious system, the political system. I've always maintained Jesus walked right down the middle. But he wasn't outside of either one of them. He dealt with both categories. Should we render, should we pay taxes? Yes, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. He's always arguing with the Pharisees, trying to set them right. So there's this thing that's happened to us. It's happened along party lines in a lot of ways. And that's that we've been polarized as a country. Polarized. Do you know what that means? There's certain things you couldn't talk about. Remember, we grew up, most of us grew up here and that we couldn't talk about religion or politics. Oh, hello, what do you want me to do? Check out? Like I don't exist? Like I don't care about religion and I don't care about politics? You know why they don't want you to talk about it? Because it's in your face. It's confrontational. It has the ability to divide. Why is that? Because everybody wants to maintain their own standards, their own, their own thoughts, their own ideals, their own philosophy. That's fine if you're not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, we have to have one heart, one mind. God says, seek me with everything you got. He didn't say leave half of it out. So polarizes to divide into sharply opposing factions, such as political groups. On an electric plug, you know what that is. It's a fat end that if you don't get it right, you have to do it over until you found the. there's only one side that goes in. I love that definition. Look at it there. Designed so that the plug and out, outlet fit together in only one way. Do you know that's exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's supposed to be that we only fit in one way. It's not like you get to have some other Jesus, some other God, some other way of, of there's many ways to God. No, there's only one. That'll polarize you in a culture that is anti-God. It'll polarize you when people want their own way, when they want their own choices, when they want their own decisions, because you won't fit. How about this old phrase? I grew up with this phrase. That which unites us is greater than that which divides us. Or not. Do you think that which unites us is greater than that which divides us? Do you remember the Gulf War back in 1990, 1991? Do you know what happened as a result of the Gulf War? No, there were people who protested. We didn't, we weren't one nation, you know, really pursuing this, really committed to it. In the Afghan war, the Iraq war, these things, we haven't been like we were. You know, we go back to the 60s with the Vietnam War and I was just a young kid back then. But I'm telling you, it polarized our country. It divided it because you had all the people that we got soldiers over in harm's way who are doing this because they were told to by somebody that they said, I was going to obey. And so they're obeying, they're following orders. And we who have the freedom and the choice here to be conscientious objectors, we got the signs that we're anti-war and we're going against them. And when they return, guess what they got? Not a hero's welcome. 
And I'm telling you, we're talking about a country that was voting since 1932, 50-50. We got a bunch of people that we don't agree on, policies and issues. And when we focus on those things, we find ourselves at odds. And that's why we have to have something that rises above all of the fray and that sets a standard that says, this is who I am and this is what I believe. This is what I'll stand for and I'll live for this and I'll die for this. But around the world, even other religions have things that they're more willing to do than the Christian segment is. Do you get it? And we've done this thing and it's crept in and it's been like this, this little, uh, it's really like a cancer. Because what it's doing is it's undermining and it's destroying the fabric of a Christian life in what was a Christian country. Increasingly, not so much. And why? Because we've got that freedom. But remember, that's part of the greatness of God. The greatness of God is that he's given us that opportunity. So guess what's happening? A lot of churches are becoming mosques all over this country. Well, that's fine. Muslims are welcome. They, they can do what they're going to do. They have their own faith system. In our country, that's, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You get it all. No, I'm not calling Muslims ugly. I'm telling you, there's over, over here. I've never been there, but I understand there's some sort of a temple over there. What's that? Who is it? Hare Krishna? Some people call them a cult. Whatever, they're over there. Guess what? I want to focus on people who need to come to Jesus. I'm going to keep continue to preach the gospel. I don't care if they're Muslims or if they're Hare Krishnas or if they're Catholics or if they're Methodists or Baptists or who they are. Guess what? If they don't have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they haven't bowed the knee, that's who my audience is. I don't want to waste time on all this other stuff. But folks, politics and issues should be relegated underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? should be that the Lordship of Jesus Christ, what he says is first and foremost for me. That's how I live my life. Here's the danger of representation. Do you know that's what congressmen and senators, that's what they are. They're elected officials who are supposed to represent us. The problem is if, if we don't let it be known, if we don't tell them where we're at, what we agree with and what we don't agree with, they're not representing us. Remember the old squeaky wheel? That's who they're representing because they're the squeaky will. The danger of representation, it supplants personal response and involvement. It supplants personal response and involvement. How many of you don't really, you haven't talked to your senators or congressmen? You have no clue. I get emails. I get them from Sherrod, Sherrod, uh, whatever, Sherrod Brown. I get them from, I used to get them from uh, Charlie Wilson. Every now and then, I think I get it from, uh, from Bill... Uh, Johnson. I, I do that because I'm dialoguing. Because when I see an issue that, that is coming that they're voting on or supporting that's against my Christian beliefs, then I let them know about it. So I get a dialogue. Guess what? I don't know if it does any good, but the truth is I feel better because I'm doing something because I didn't just bury my treasure. Do you understand that with the freedom that you have to just bury that stuff and never vote and you don't, you don't want to get involved? We've yielded. Here's what the PTA said. We've parent teacher. Okay, that's school. How many of you have been part of the PTA? How many of you have had kids in school? Probably should have been part of the PTA, but we weren't. You know why? Here's what they say. Here's why. 
We've yielded our responsibility to the teachers and administration of schools and colleges to determine what is best for our kids in curriculum, values, priorities, and perspective. Most parents are not engaged in their kids' education, period, especially college. Do you know why? Because they got smarter than you. That's where you got to stay. You got to keep learning, don't you? Have we voiced our concern? How does evil triumph? When good people do nothing. Let's turn to Psalm 33. Well, it's about time you bring the Bible in. We're tired of hearing all your opinion. It's not my opinion. You'll find out that the Bible, the Bible totally, I'm, I'm getting my stuff right from there. We've got certain passages up that will be on the wall, but I didn't put everything. So here's Psalm 33. I'm going to read for you. This is a specific, um, uh, I'm using it for emphasis. I'm using a different uh, translation but it'll be okay. You'll hear it. Good people, cheer God. Right living people sound best when praising. Just right there, you ought to stop and say, do you spend more time praising or complaining? Hello? More time praising or complaining? Tells you that what's happening is somebody's got your ear and you're being polarized, deceived. Use guitars to reinforce your hallelujahs. Play his praise on a grand piano. Invent your own new song to him. Give him trumpet fanfare. For God's word is solid to the core. Everything he makes is sound inside and out. He loves it when everything fits, when his word is in plumb line true. Earth is drenched in God's affectionate satisfaction. The skies were made by God's command. He breathed the word and the stars popped out. He scooped sea into his jug, put ocean in his keg. Earth creatures bow before God. World dwellers down on your knees. Here's why. He spoke and there it was in place the moment he said so. God takes the wind out of Babel pretense. He shoots down the world's power schemes. God's plan for the world stands up. All his designs are made to last. Blessed is the country with God for God. Blessed are the people he put in his will. You guys know that in a different version, don't you? Here's verse 13 and following beyond the wall. From high in the skies, God looks around. He sees all Adam's brood. From where he sits, he overlooks all us earth dwellers. He has shaped each person in turn. Now he watches everything we do. No king succeeds with a big army alone. No warrior wins by brute strength. Horsepower is not the answer. No one gets by on muscle alone. Watch this. Say, watch this. God's eye is on those who respect him. The ones who are looking for his love. He's ready to come to the rescue in bad times. In lean times, he keeps his body and soul together. We're depending on God. He's everything we need. What's more, our hearts brim with joy since we've taken our own, for our own, his holy name. Love us, God, with all you've got. 
That's what we're depending on. Did you hear what I told you? I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not an independent. I'm dependent on. That's what we're depending on. eh? Love us, God, with all you've got. He's going to take care of us. Have we forgotten that he's the one who takes care of us? We sang a song earlier that talked about he's our king. Guess what? It's not a president. It's not a Supreme Court. It's not a party affiliation that is our king. That's not the way God has ordained it. You've heard me say it. I've grown up with it. We're in a democracy, but we're supposed to be in a theocracy. Theocracy means God's rule. God's the king. He's the Lord. He's the boss. He's the president. He's the guy with the biggest gun. Everything else needs to bow to that. Because we know this, that everything else is passing away. All rule, all order, all nations have all succumbed to the same thing. And there's one who stands. And it's God. So I'll tell you what, it's like the Roman government. It's like, it's like the Greeks. It's like the Medes and the Persians. It's like the Babylonians. It's like the go all the way back to every culture that has, has fallen. And he's always given one rule. But... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, then what? Pray. Folks, we're just about finishing up 40 days of prayer. We did 31 days of prayer. We did two different prayer initiatives just trying to get us focusing on God instead of focusing on all the other garbage that's going around in our country. It is what it is. It was what it was in Jesus' day. It was what it was in Moses' day. It will be what it is going to be on on Wednesday after the elections. Or however long it takes to sort it out. One rule stands clear, and that's going to be God's rule. Luke 11, 17. 50-50 vote since 1932 at least. I just went back that far. We wanted to go to bed. Luke eleven seventeen says what? Read it for me. Okay, now the other half read. Didn't we get about 50% there? Okay, go ahead. The other half read the rest of it. Go ahead. Be, but he, But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a house divided against itself falls. Hello, are we a divided house in America? Once again, yes, we are. And folks, do you know what you're you're compelled to do as a Christian? As a God-fearing Christian, you know what you're more inclined to do? Is you're inclined to retreat. You're inclined to let somebody walk over you. You know why? Because of grace, because of forgiveness, because of acceptance, because you got all these things that that keeps you from from being violent in nature. And yet they're unrestrained. Do you know that's what's been happening? That's what will happen? Oh, so you say you'll just shut yourselves up and you'll pull out your guns and you'll defend your homes. Well, that's wonderful. But the rest of society is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Why? Because good people did nothing. Folks, the greatest thing you can do is pray. The second thing you can do is exercise your God-given rights. That is to vote. And then to vote according to a biblical standard. Not according to what you want. You know, here's what's happening. Can I be real clear about this right now? Just for a minute. 
And if there was a party that, that, that exceeds all of the others in this, then I'd be telling you that. But there, there's wishy-washy, mealy-mouthed on both sides of the aisle. Here's what's happening, and we're buying into it as a population, as a country, as church. You know what we're buying into? We're buying into having your ears tickled because you're voting for a candidate who's telling you what you want to hear. That's what we're aligning ourselves to as a party on each side of the aisle. Either way, well, this is how I feel. Well, I've had that happen to me, and I know what it's like. And so the guy who tells you what you want, that's going to be the deciding vote. Could I phrase the words as Paul said? May it never be. May it never be. Make it that it's a matter of morality. It's biblical value. It's what the word of God says. Not based on what I want. Not having my ears tickled. Well, I like this guy. He's, he's better than that guy. How about this? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Are you taking notes so you can... I'll make these notes available for anybody who wants them. You test the word of God and see if the preacher's not being accurate. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and following. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. See, that's the problem with the church is we've, we've actually embraced a lot of the politics and policies and issues of people who are devoid of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Why are we doing that? Why is it that we're going to stand there amongst the heathen, the people who don't know Christ, who aren't living according to his standard, and we're going to actually give them power by voting according to that block? How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple... And idols. What's an idol, folks? Anything that we put before God. How about the things that we construct, even in our own government, even our own systems, even our own processes, that when it, when it defiles and comes against the rule of God, then that becomes an idol. So we've got things. What are they called in America in politics? It starts with an E. They're called entitlements. Oh, don't mess with my entitlement. But I thought I just read somewhere in Matthew chapter 6. Hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Wow. For we're the temple of God. I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, here's here's the challenge for us. Come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. I hear people on both sides of the party. They're in great fear and trepidation if the other party gets in. (laughs) I'm more concerned about how Christians are going to be voting. I'm more concerned about our hearts and toward what what takes prominent position in my life. Because if there's there's only one, there's, there's one standard that I uphold, that everybody I vote for has to hold to that standard or I don't vote for them. 
That's a biblical standard. Doesn't care about my wallet. It's cost me the same as it has everybody else. By the way, I do pay taxes as a pastor. I want to be sure you know that. My home down here in Shadyside, I pay taxes. Okay? I could have an exemption, but I choose not to. Guess why? Because I want to be just like you. I have a right and I have a position. And I can definitely vote. Now, here's earlier I gave you this version. Listen to another version. Well, no, I didn't. I'm going to give you this one now. Matthew chapter 6, 22. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. How many of you are trying to serve both God and money? Come on, hello, I've been there all, I was there for X amount of years of my life. Trying to do both things. And then I realize I've got to make God first and then he takes care of the money issue. But if I don't make God first, guess what? Even though I have money, I'm miserable. Anybody had money and been miserable? Yeah, thank you, buddy. Now, I'm just giving you scripture, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6 to 13. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? A little poison? You guys know my little rat poison illustration, don't you? Decon, look on a box. There's this thing called inert ingredients. Inert ingredients means it's neutral. It's neither, it's not bad for them. Okay? It's called filler. It's the, what do I want to call it? It's the vessel which carries the poison. It actually has some flavor and artificial stuff to it to make it a mouse wants to chew right through the box to get to it. And so when you read the label, it says percentage of inert ingredients. Here it is. 99.995%. Did you get it? 99.995%. It's not 99%. It's 99.995%. You get it? Mostly inert ingredients. Stuff that's good for them. The poison? 0.005%. You go buy a box and check it out for yourself. Preacher's not lying. So you're telling me 0.005% kills that mouse. You have mice? We don't. Didn't shoot them, didn't trap them, not giving them peanut butter, cheese, or anything else. I don't even open the box. That way I feel you more humane. It was just sitting there. They got into it. <laughs> Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness. That's what a polarized culture does but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Folks, I can tell you just like the politician Pilate said, what is truth 
He didn't recognize truth when it was standing there staring him in the face. And that's the danger of politics, and that's the danger of issues, and that's the danger of doing things that is pleasing to us. There were a whole bunch in that crowd that day who a week earlier said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And a week later said, crucify him. I wrote you in my letter, Paul says, not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. Hello, this is a couple thousand years ago. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. What he's really saying is that we should have one heart and one mind. We should have one focus. We should have one God. We should live our lives aspiring to that. And if any one of us veers off course, then the rest of us are supposed to help set a back on course. Speaking the truth in love. How about this passage from Matthew chapter 18? I don't know if it's up there. Do we have that one? Mario, you're such a, a good guy. Bless you. Bless you. If your hand or foot gets in the way of God, what? Chop it off and throw it away. You're better off maimed or lame and alive than proud owners of two hands and two feet, godless, in the furnace of eternal fire. <laughs> I don't know too many people who root out evil like that, but that's what the Word of God says. Go ahead. That's, uh, I'm sorry, verse 9. If your eye distracts you from God, pull it out and throw it away. You're better off one-eyed and alive than exercising your 20-20 vision from inside the fire of hell. Now, does God want you going around without hands, feet, and without eyeballs? No. What He wants you to do is be decisive. He wants you to be kind of radical in the fact that, no, no, I'm not getting persuaded and dissuaded. I'm not going to be deceived. And I need somebody outside of me to help make sure that I'm not getting whacked out. That's why you have a preacher. Now, I don't know what you do for a preacher that gets whacked out. but Proverbs 16, I'm sorry, 6, verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. You guys remember that? People talk with, oh, sin is sin. Well, I'm telling you that God himself put him in some sort of order here. Just, just a thought. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Ready? Number one, haughty eyes. You know what that generally means? Huh? Being proud. You look upon other people and you see them somehow lesser than. I don't care what party it is. That doesn't honor God. Number two, a lying tongue. I don't know. There's just a rule that politicians lie. Anybody agree with that? Okay, let's say it that they tell it with some flavor uniquely their own. Okay, number three, hands that shed innocent blood. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. Okay, number four. Go ahead. <laughs> They're in back rooms going like this. If we win, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> I don't think so. But something in their heart, if they don't have the light of Christ, how dark is that dark. Number five, 
You know what that is? Some, we just had a massive fight outside of my house last night. Bunch of tea partiers, and I was just going to get rid of them all. No, come on. There were drunks from over there across the street. There were five squad cars pulled up in front of, uh, of the little bar across the road. Stop it, stop it. I'm hearing girls and guys and their cousin and they're manning up. And then the, the one, if I thought about it ahead of time, I would have snuck out back and tackled him as he ran. Because he's the brave one. All of a sudden, the police car, well, well, he, he took off between my house, right next to Rachel's and my house. And I thought, tackle that guy. I said, no, no, get back out here. I'm going to carry you over here. Face justice, my friend. You are so brazen and brave, and now I was only wearing underwear, so I didn't go out. <laughs> I know, I just ruined it for everybody. I'm just human, okay? Number six. Because then all of his friends were standing there saying, yeah, this guy, and he did this, and they did that. And the the officer, you could hear him. Where's he at? Where's the guy? And I wanted to say, like through the crack in the door, he ran behind my house. So we got all these false witnesses telling their story. They're their end of it. And what's the last one says? Oh, boy. The whole community. God's community, our community. Because the truth is, we, we, we're, we're, here we are. We're citizens of heaven. We're also citizens here. That doesn't make us bipolar. All it just means is that we have... We have a, a purpose right here, and we have a destination which is there. See, but we're supposed to occupy until he comes. And that's why here we're supposed to be those who blessed are the peacemakers. Guess what? When we got, that's what our whole, our whole how many million? A billion. Did anybody remember how much is going to be spent on this election? I think it's, How many? Seven, I want to say it's even higher. I think it's closer to, it's like $50 billion. Let's, let's check those numbers. We'll find that out. But I believe that the billion, Joel, you can Google that probably real quick. Um, but, but it's in the billions of dollars that have been spent on this election to get a 50-50 outcome, a 51-49 outcome. I'm telling you, is that really worth it? I said, you know what? I'm going to write all my people. I'm going to let them know. Send me one ballot, one little piece of paper, one mailer. And if I tell you I'm voting for you, unless you get stupid, you'll have my vote. Don't waste money sending me stuff for the rest of the, the, the nine weeks. See, that'll save you a bunch of money if you'll just do that times how many ever. We'll settle the election early. How many know the passage? I know I got to wrap up. I'm sorry. I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'll finish. I'll, I'm going to... Blow through this. I'm not even going to give you it all. I'm going to give you the passage. Deuteronomy chapter 30. If anybody's taking notes. Verses 15 to 20. See, I set before you today life and death. Guess what he says he wants you to choose? Choose life. Choose life. Not, not, not what you think of life. Choose what he says is life. 
So here he is. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess it. Then he goes, there's that butt part. If your heart turns away and you don't obey, then guess what's going to happen? See? So let me come back to verse 19. I call heaven and earth to, be, to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. Choose life in order that you may live. You and your descendants by loving the... Now, here's how I love this. You want the real sermons right there, just that quick. How do you choose life? By loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord has sworn to your fathers. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I introduced issues earlier. Here's moral issues. Sexual orientation. Marriage. Sanctity of life or abortion. Sanctity of life is the reason we call it, as well as Elam, who is our our parent, is that we call sanctity of life because we also believe in sanctity of life when you're 90 years old and laying in a hospital bed or in a nursing home. We believe that until God takes your breath, that, that we shouldn't take that. So it's not okay to put a pillow over your face and smother you. See? It's that God gave you breath. We choose to let God take that breath. So that's sanctity of life. Social issues, education, welfare, health care, Medicare, Social Security. Those are all important. They should be for both parties, irrelevant of, of, of any party affiliation. Some do it better than others. Guess what? We can both learn from each other if we come under the purpose of, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. Political. Such as immigration. Yeah, they're over $6 billion so far, by the way. So you're close. $6 billion in political costs. Pol- uh, political. Here it is. Immigration. That affects us, doesn't it? Immigration. Taxes. Um, the, the tax code, for example, is a big word being thrown out. How about trade? How about debt? Somewhere around $16 trillion now. Judicial. We got constitution. They're making decisions about what's constitutional and what's not. Religious expression and freedom, such as displays of the Ten Commandments. Folks, these are people that are elected. In this case, whoever's president next is more than likely going to have two appointments to the Supreme Court. They get to determine their little slant. If they're pro-choice or pro-life or if they're pro-gun or anti-gun or if they're whatever. So who we elect does matter. Your vote does count. Here's other topics, big, big topics for us. Guns, insurance, gasoline prices, trade, manufacturing, EPA and regulations. That's the environmental protection, whatever the A is. <laughs> Rationing, censorship, hate crimes, defense, terrorism, class warfare, equality, patriotism, economy slash jobs. Do you hear how we're all drawn toward get a hold of somebody who's going to make my life better if I'll just put them in office and my life will be good because I put them in office? No, your life will be good if you do what God said. Because he said he'll take care of all the other things. But if you don't honor God, guess what? That's my concern is I want to be sure that I honor God. Yielding to God, that's the title for today. 
means that we recognize his kingdom first. How do you pray, Jesus said, the disciples said? Jesus says, pray, our father, our president, our boss, our king, our ruler. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for messing up so bad. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory forever. Oh, I grew up saying that and had no clue what it meant. Do you understand? We're praying for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. Okay, here's the last one, I think it is. Is it? Yeah, it is. Okay, good. Say last one. Matthew, this has been good though, isn't it? No, I'm not cocky. I'm just telling you this is the word of God, so it's good. If you don't believe in what you're doing, you ought to not be doing it. I believe in what I'm doing. I believe that I'm on the right end of it because my argument's the word of God. Here it is. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 34. Oh, I know you heard it before, but you didn't hear it like this. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place where you most want it to be. And you end up being there. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. Kind of called hope, isn't it? If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Now, here's where that kicks up on the wall. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds free and unfettered, Not, we're pausing from the wall now. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Go ahead. It's on the wall, I think, now. Thank you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. 
to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Can you read that last verse 34 with me? Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. A simple guide for behavior. Folks, you may have questions. You might even been sitting there wrestling. Ah, he had me say that at the beginning of the sermon, didn't he? I'm not going to get offended. And so you didn't. What you heard is a case for Christ. And what you heard is a case that we vote according to biblical values and morality and what God says is acceptable to him. Some of the things going on in our country and around the world, it's called an abomination to God. I want you to know that though we have the freedom, the Bible also says I could have, I could have unleashed, we could have spent the rest of the day in here. Galatians says, don't use this freedom that you've got as license to do whatever you want to do. See? And that's what's happened in our country is we've got these freedoms and we consider that because we've got these freedoms, we can do whatever we want to do. And the answer to that is that's not okay by God. We'll give an account to everything that we did and everything that we said. Folks, what I want to do is if you're going to hear that well done, my good and faithful servant, part of your faithfulness is to represent his character in a lost and hurting world where the shades have been pulled down. You're to be the light in the midst of that place. And so we get that opportunity sometimes twice. You know, we get it almost yearly where here in America. You get a vote. On this Tuesday, you get a vote. You might have to just go and say, Lord, I didn't really think about asking you who I should vote for. I've been voting according to who I thought was going to help my wallet or help my 401k or who's going to give help the industries and help manufacturing and do all this and do all that. Who's going to restore greatness? But Lord, who do you want me to vote for? We're going to scrap that other video, Mario. Thank you. You might have to just start your, your, your week this week by saying, Lord, who do you want me to vote for? Some of you already did early voting, and uh, Lord bless you. I want to tell you that if you voted not according to biblical values and morality, that I hope that I convinced you of something today that draws us closer to God and less about parties on both sides or all sides. And I hope today that there's a firmer conviction for you to get to know this God of the Bible and get to know the Bible, which is God's word, so that you'll be able to rightly divide, so that you'll live a life that's going to honor him because you know what his word says. It's our daily bread. We need to have it. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, Lord, I thank you for eternity because, God, in eternity, I don't, there's just no way to measure it. There's no clocks to watch. There's nothing that's pressing on our time. But we have that. So I ask for God 
for you to continue to, to help us with. We set out today to preach your word, to be pleasing to you, God, that I might declare your majesty and your glory and the truth of your word. Father, if it comes with slant, then I'm open to correction. But God, if it's just that it's, it's the unadulterated word of God and I, I've been faithful to it, then I ask you to, to uh, give me peace in my heart. And God, that you'll uh, affirm me uh, because I seek to be pleasing to you first and foremost, God. And Father, I pray for my friends and, and family here and, and those who you've given me care concerning that, God, I'm watching over their souls by, by helping us to get the truth, by raising our eyes to where we, we're not looking only on what's going to benefit me, but, God, what is it that serves your purpose and honors you? So, God, help us with, in this country. We know that we can look back and say that there were things like prayer that's been taken out of the schools, and there's this thing that's been proliferated that's really a big deception, the separation of, truth, of, of church and state. There's been all these things and mandates handed down and things that are happening sometimes being shoved down Christians' throats. And God, we know you're our great defender, and so we want to we be a church and a people that laughs a lot, that we love, that we accept, and that we forgive. So help us with that, God, and help us to be pleasing. And Father, I know that your word says that you're the one who has appointed all authority. And that could cause some of us to think, well, why bother voting? Well, because in the voting and in the process, we have to seek you and seek your kingdom and seek what you say. And that can transform our lives. So God, we're not just going through like little robots. We're going to consider our choices, decision that we have to make. And we're going to choose you first and foremost. And I believe that as this country returns to those kinds of roots, that we would stand on the foundation of the Word of God. If we'll have that kind of integrity ourselves, we'll begin to see it because it'll be demanded of everybody around us, everybody who is over us, anyone who's representing us. So, Father, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And maybe the greatest revival we need in this country is a revival in government a revival in the hearts of those who seek after you, and God, a revival among those who have never bowed the knee. So God, we ask for your help. We ask for your justice. We agree that uh, you've made a decision. We agree that you're in heaven and that you're watching every move we make, every vote we cast, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Everybody stand and give a hallelujah. What do you say? Hallelujah.